Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. So, um, as you've seen, if you've seen, we are um, in this series um, where we are studying the core values of our church. And that's what we've been doing for the last few weeks, and this week is our, our final week. We believe at Silverdale that it is our mission to lead people into an authentic relationship with Jesus so that they will, one, this is what we looked at the very first week, worship God. We, amen, yeah, we are a people who passionately worship God. Week two, we looked at grow. That was last week. We looked at we want to be a people who are growing, growing in our faith, growing individually and growing corporately. And today we're going to look at serve. We're a people that serve, serve the Lord in our community and around the world. We call this at Silverdale worship, grow, serve. And that's that's who we are. And so on this final week as we're looking through this these worship grow serve, we're looking at serve. And we're a people that serve. We want to be a people that serve our church, a people that serve our community, and we want to be a people that serve the world. And so that's that's what we're looking at. Now, as I was studying this and as I was reading this text and as I was thinking about this text, an interesting thing kept coming up in my mind, and it's this. I realize that this word serve is a word that a lot of people use, but just because they're using the word serve, it doesn't mean that it means serve, or at least it may not mean what we mean when we say serve, when we say worship, grow, serve. It's serve. It's really a popular word. You've got a lot of organizations using the word, a lot of people using that word. So I want to begin by just examining this. I, I, let me just give you, I want to, so what I did, I went and I, I Googled definition serve, and I got a definition of it. So let's, this is what the, the definition of serve is, so we can just kind of have a look at it. Here's what serve means. The action of helping or doing work for someone, all right? The action of helping or doing work for someone. Now, you read that, you read that definition, and you're going to say that's right. That's exactly what serving means, right? But like I said, just because someone says they serve doesn't mean that they are all serving in the same capacity because the truth is is that um, Christian service is altogether different than, I would say, non-Christian service. It is. I mean, you all know this to be true. You know that there's non-Christian organizations and that there's non-Christians who serve, and they're generous. They are. There's atheists. There are God-haters who serve. So the question might be something like this. And this is kind of what we're going to be pushing into and thinking about today is this. What is the difference? What is the difference between a non-Christian and a non-Christian organization serving and a Christian and a Christian organization serving? Right, Because they're both going to use the same word. The question is, does the word mean the same thing? I think there's at least two overarching differences between the differences in the way the non-Christians and Christians use this word serve. First, first is this, and this is before we get to the text, okay? Because I want us to work this out before we get to the text. 
The difference between non-Christians and Christians or a, non, a non-Christian organization and the church is they have different goals. Their goals are all together different. I can give you an example. Um, when we were in Africa, there were a lot of good organizations, non-Christian organizations, that were trying to serve the men and women of Tanzania by providing them with clean drinking water. Now, I would say that's a good goal. We would all say that is a good goal. And then when they were done with that, that, that goal, when they had met that goal, when they had got the, the water to those people, they would pack up and they would leave. Their goal had been met. But it just so happened that the International Mission Board, the, the Southern Baptist Mission Agency, the, the mission agency that we were with, they also had a group of people there. And that peop- those people also had the same goal of bringing water to people in desperate need of water. But their goal was not just to bring them water. They had a goal that superseded that goal. And they wanted to preach Christ and Christ crucified. And they were not going to leave that place until that goal was met. So they could, so you could go in there and you could serve the people and you could do these things, right? You could even bring them water. But as a Christian, as we're serving, if you had not preached Christ and Christ crucified, then you had not met your goal. So we see when, when Christians and non-Christians serve, there's a difference. There's a difference. The goal is different. But there's a second difference. And I'm really wanting to pushing in on this. I want us as a, as a church to see that there is, there is a difference for the Christian serving. The way we serve, when we serve, it's kind of sewn in, it's kind of interwoven into the fabric of our daily life. It's the grid by which we see the world. In other words, when we serve, it's not an add-on. When we serve, it's not like we're trying to fulfill something. It's not like we're trying to have a fuller life. It's, it's just, just the way we see the world. It's what we want to accomplish. It's what we think about. Because the greatest service that you and I can do, and and you need not forget this, is to tell someone about Jesus Christ. And so we're organizing our thoughts and and, and our lives and how we use our resources, interwoven in everything we do. It's not just an add-on. Bottom line. And I'll say this before we get to the text, because Peter's going to tell us some really neat things today. Bottom line. Saved people serve. And that is what we as a church are talking about when we say worship, grow, serve. We are a people that serve. We got a specific goal in mind and it's interwoven in how we live our lives and arrange our lives. And so we're going to look at what Peter has to say in 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11 because he's going to give us four distinct characteristics of Christian service. Now, now, now I have kind of laid out it in broad terms But in the text that we're looking at, we're going to see Peter hammer home to us that Christian service, what we do, is altogether different than how many people use this term, serve. So we're just going to walk through it. We're going to look at it kind of word by word. We're going to let the weight of the text set on us because we desire and are a people that serve. Starting in verse 10, the first thing Peter's going to tell us is Christian service is a selfless act. Christian service is a selfless act. Now, um, when I say that, when I say that, you may think, or someone may think, well, that's kind of odd because isn't, I don't know, all service a selfless act? Like, in the definition of to serve, it means you're doing it for someone else, then 
is it not odd to sit here and say that it's a selfless act? Well, I would argue that many times we serve, or people serve, for selfish reasons. I have seen and I've been a part of and I've been around and people who serve because they want to get a really good picture on Facebook or Instagram. It's true. Maybe you know that as well. Some people serve because well, they feel guilty. Some people serve to please other people. Some people serve from pride. Some people serve because of pressure. I'm like, well, how does that work? I know, I know that some people serve because of pressure because I've done it before. I've done it before. Um, I remember when I graduated college. This is an altogether true lame story okay well this is me this is what I did okay so um, I'm in college I graduate college right my wife is a year behind me she still had one more year to graduate so I have graduated and I, I'm going I need to find a job and by the grace of God I find a job with a local Christian agency in the city where my university was okay so I'm working at this Christian organization all right now this is so weird man this organization, one of the things that they bragged about, one of the things that they said marked them different than other Christian organizations is that 100% of the people that they employed gave to the United Way. That was, that's what they said. That's what they said. And so I thought that was cool. I said, oh, wow, this is a great organization. Everyone is generous, and everyone that works for them gives to the United Way. I thought that was a really cool thing. So I'm working there for a while, and it comes time for the United Way to do the thing where they're raising their money, okay? And so um, about that time, something interesting happened. The boss of the company comes in, and he sits in front of me in my office, and he looks at me. He goes, you know, Travis, I know you're new here, and maybe you've heard, but we give all of us to the United Way. And I'm like, I get that. And then he communicated to me that um, my um, commitment to their organization, the United Way, would be a direct reflection upon my commitment to the current job that I had obtained. And so I did the math, and guess what happened? I became a lover of the United Way. Sign me up, United Way. United Way doing something? I want to be first in line, right? But the deal was, I was doing this, and I was giving, and I'm doing these things. Why? Pressure. Job security. Looks good on my resume. But we do that. Nonetheless, Christian service is a selfless act. This is what verse 10 says. Look what he says. As each has received a gift, use it, check it out, church, to serve one another. All right. So if you were here last week, this is exactly what Paul said in, in Ephesians. We looked at that. He says each received a gift. Paul says each received a grace, but nonetheless, the exact same thing. We're talking about spiritual gifts. Last week, we looked at it being a gift to build up the church, right? But, but here we're talking about serving one another, right? Use it, he says, to serve one another. Two things I want us to pull out of here quickly. First thing, we need to see this when we read this. We don't need to casually just jump over it. I want us to see that this is a command, like, like Peter, Paul did the same thing. Peter's doing the same thing. He's not sitting there asking if you feel like it, if it's something you get around to. He's saying, no, this is a command. We are a people that serve one another. But then we get right back to this word serve again, right? And it just begs the question that I've already started answering, and he's answering more specifically, but really, 
What does it mean? What does it mean? That I am supposed to come here, that I'm supposed to live my life, and I am to serve. It's a broad word. It's a broad word. But not in this text. Not in this text. In this text, the Greek word used literally means to wait on people. To wait on people. The word in Greek is diakoneo. It's where we get our word deacon. In those days, at that time, it was commonly used for a table waiter. I don't know, not, not even actually a table waiter. It was actually below a table waiter, more like maybe a busboy, a really menial task. And that's what we're told that we're to be doing, serving one another. I think the, the ideal here is that we're to offer the gifts that God has given each one of us as a waiter offers well-prepared food to guests. We don't do it with pride because we didn't make the food. We don't keep it to ourselves because it wasn't made for you and I. But instead, we enjoy the tremendous privilege of being the ones who bring out and carry and serve the graces of God to his people. So some of us, some of us, some of us are going to be carrying appetizers. This is the picture. This is the wording. This is kind of what we're, we're seeing. Some of us may be carrying entrees, some of us desserts, and some salads. But the point is here, you and I, if you're saved by God and are a believer, we are waiters. And food, the gifts, have been given to us so that we might distribute them to one another. And that's the picture we got here. But not only is that a command that you're to wait on one another, we, us, are to wait on one another, I want us to see also the motivation for it. Why do we do it? What's the motivation for this? Well, he begins, he says this, as each has received a gift. Received a gift. That word received is really, it's an important, important word. You see, there's a unique thing about Christian service. We don't do it in hopes that God will save us. We don't do it begrudgingly. We don't do it out of obligation or guilt. We don't do it out of, of pressure as I had once done. We do it because we've received something. We, we've received something. Here it says we received a gift, but there's even something bigger that we received that preceded this gift. We received salvation. God saved us. And when God saved us, he transformed us. Scripture says, and this is for all of us, that when God saved you, he made you a new creation. You are not a better creation. You are not a new and in, uh, an improved or enriched creation. You're totally, completely new. And the result is you've got new desires. You've got new actions. You've got new affections. You see, salvation is not just forgiveness of sin. It's not just atonement. Salvation is regeneration and transformation. And the result of that salvation is good works. 
So we don't work because we are saved. We serve because we have been saved. I've got a new desire. I've got the indwelling of God the Spirit that is going to overflow into me in such a way that my motivation for doing these works, for carrying these trays, to being that waiter, to being that servant, to serve others, is I am born again. I am made new, and it overflows. That's my motivation. So I don't do it begrudgingly. You should not do it begrudgingly. Service is the inevitable result of regeneration, of salvation. Knowing that, I thought, we're, a lot of us do this, but I thought, what, what, what would it look like? Real quickly. What would it look like if when we came to church, whatever service we might go to, if the first thing we did when we entered the sanctuary, entered the front door, was to look around and start asking yourself this question, how can I distribute my gift? How can I serve those around me? I want to serve one another. I want to serve the church. We want to be a church like that. But the first distinctive is it's a selfless, self, selfless act. Second, Christian service, he says, is a stewardship. Stewardship. It says, as God stewards of God's varied graces. There's a lot we could sit on here. There's, there's two really, um, two concepts, two words that I want us to see here. First, it's implicit. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. Now, I, I realize it's a command. I, I get that. I, 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 I realize I've got indwelling spirit. That's going to, that's, and I have this desire to serve, but we have a responsibility. Peter says here, if you're a believer, you're a good steward. So the question is, what does a steward do? A steward manages the resources that belong to someone else. That's what a steward does. A steward manages the resources belonging to someone else. And a good steward... We must use the resources that we've been entrusted with in the way the owner desires and intended for them to be used. That's a good steward. So, so, so God has entrusted each one of us. He's given us this responsibility. He's given us this, this charge. He's empowered us to, to do these things. So we have a, a responsibility to be a good steward. But the other thing I want to pull out here is this is interesting, but I would say we have a portion. We have a portion. Each one of us ha has a portion. Notice the adjective. Varied grace. This means, if you're a believer, if God has saved you, that each of us has received one facet of the grace of God. Not one of us can possibly possess every part of the grace, right? Each one of us have a facet of the grace. And that's what's so unique. That's what's so unique about the gathered church, right? Like each of us have a facet of this buried grace. And then when we gather, I'm talking about right now, we represent the grace of God in a fullness, in a completeness that we could not do if we were on our 
own. And I say this almost every week, but it is no small thing for God's people to gather. A week ago, about three weeks ago, I ran into a guy. He was my Uber driver, actually, my Uber driver. And so, um, and we're talking, and he, he learns that I'm a, a Christian. He was taking me to go um, to the, uh, the St. Elmo service to preach, and he knows where I'm going and stuff like that. And, and he, he says this to me. He says, he says, you know, I don't really go to church that often. He said he's a Christian. But then he said something that a lot of people who don't attend church very often say. They quote, really, 1 Corinthians 3.16, even though they don't know 1 Corinthians 3.16. He said something like this. He goes, he goes here's the deal. Um, um, the scripture says, scripture says, they begin that way, the Bible says, that I'm a temple. And so I believe that I can go out on Sunday morning or any morning and be by myself and I can fellowship with God on my own, and that is as good or greater than the church gathered. I did not have time to work out what he was saying, and, and hopefully in time I will, because I'm using him more often, the same guy. 1 Corinthians 3.16, I want to address this real quick. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in you? A lot of people talk about that text. The word here for a temple is naos. It's talking about a literal, physical place in the temple where the image of God was kept separate from, indwelling, distinct from the outside world. So he's saying here, this is what we got to be careful here, if God saved you, yes, you are, a you, are, you are a temple of the living God because the God, the Spirit, lives inside you. But that is not the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the gathering of these indwelled ones. So, no, sir, and I'm going to tell him and work this in our conversation, and I want all of you to understand this. No, sir, no, ma'am, being by yourself all alone is not the same as being with the church gathered. It's not. We each have a portion. We each have a facet. When we come together, God moves. It's a unique time. God moves. God speaks. God convicts. God carries. When we come together, we should not, ought not. The author of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembly. Now, you can be alone. You do need to have those times. But don't go around misquoting 1 Corinthians 3, 16. By the way, you, sorry about that. You, that was a rabbit trail, okay? You can think Uber, all right? Christian service is a selfish act. Christian service is a stewardship. Third, Christian service is powered by God. I love, I love this. I love this, all right? I find this comforting here, right? I do, right? So God's the one who gives the power. I don't know if this ever happened to you. I read this verse and I thought about this. Um, when I was a little guy, right, a little dude, um, we had birthday parties. The birthday party, my friends would come over, right? We'd eat the cake. After we eat the cake, we get to my favorite part. It's opening the gifts. Every year, every time, maybe at your birthday party as well, there was always one joker who would give you a great gift, but he wouldn't give you batteries, right? So what you do, you open it up, you know, you start playing with it. You do whatever you can. It doesn't work correctly. You get tired trying to make it work correctly. What I would do, true story, here's what I would do. Maybe you did this. I'd go running around the house looking for batteries. We don't have extra batteries, so I would rob batteries. Do you know where I robbed batteries from if they were 9 volt? Smoke detector. Smoke. <laughs> have any of you ever robbed from a smoke detector? Come, come on, that's Taylor. Dude, we're looking bad, man. Anybody else? Okay, Alan? 
the front row guys, okay, okay, there you go. But I would. But nonetheless, like you get a gift and you don't have the power to operate it, right? This gift, it's nice, it's good, it's great, it's pretty, it'll sit on my, my desk or whatever. But I will never play with it because I don't have the power to operate it. But that's not true of the gifts that God gives you and I. Look at verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, check it out, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Two things to notice here. First, the source of the strength. We're to use these gifts. We're to be serving with these gifts to the church, to our community, to the world, but we do it by the strength that God supplies. Like, you don't get to choose your gift. You don't provide the power to use your gift. We accomplish God's purposes by God's power. We accomplish God's purpose by God's power. And we have to understand this. And if we attempt as a people to do God's purposes in our own power, we're going to fail, we're going to get discouraged, we will become burned out. And we need to, but we need to hammer this home. We need to understand this. And you will not have God's power if you're not meeting with the gathered church. If you're not in fellowship with God's people, if you're not reading scripture, if you're not repenting of sin. Man, I mean, I'll tell you, I've been in a lot of places. I've been to a lot of different people groups and countries and tribes, and I have never met a powerful Christian who forsakes the assembly. I have never met a powerful Christian who is not reading the word of God. I have never met a powerful Christian who's not daily repenting of sin. So we want to do it in his power. But man, we got to be with him. It's not, it's not like solar power, man. You know, solar power, you got solar power, you just you put, put a solar panel out there, you set it down, it just sits there. It ain't got to do nothing, right? And it's going to get... Get power, but that's not it. We've got to be repenting. We've got to be in the fellowship. We've got to be serving and using our gifts, and we do this in his power. Second thing to notice is the importance of the task set before us. Notice it says, the one gifted is speaking God's word to God's people. Now, this is true, and we know that we all have gifts that we've been given to serve with. So we need to understand that we have God's gift given to us by God for the purpose of serving God's people and bringing God's glory to the world. There ain't no way, there ain't no way, there ain't no way you can flippantly do that. There ain't no way you can half-heartedly engage doing that. You and I cannot decide, oh, maybe I will not distribute today. The things that I have aren't that important. The task I've been assigned is menial. The one who assigned it is of little worth. We cannot say that. Think of the picture, the picture of us serving as waiters. Will you and I just sit down and not bring out the food? What happens if we act that way? Each of us have a role to play. And as we act, every facet of the graces of God given to each one of us here, as we act together, distributing what God has given us, God is glorified. And I'm telling you, this, knowing this, knowing the strength comes from him, it's going to keep you humble. It'll even humble you. 
I've shared this, but I think it's appropriate maybe to share it again, but maybe more rapidly than I shared it, I guess probably sometime last year, but um, I remember when I'm sitting there in Dar es Salaam, and by the grace of God, blessed to lead this church, and it's growing, and it's just, you know, and pr I'm preaching, and, and all these amazing, amazing, amazing things are happening, and I remember, I'm telling you, church, I remember this one Sunday, and it marked my life, I remember this one Sunday, I'm preaching, and the place is just full of people, buses are coming, it's just crazy, and I preach a sermon, and when I got through preaching the sermon, I thought to myself, that was a pretty good sermon, <laughs> that was really good, and I go home, have lunch, and take my nap, or whatever I did, I can't remember, and that just kind of stayed in the back of my head. Now, if you would have asked me at that very time, I would have said, yeah, I'm humble. I'm humble. But in my head, I was hanging on to this. But I remember that night, I go outside, I see the African sky, and God and His goodness and God and His graciousness reminds me of this right here. The hand of God fell on me in a heavy way and humbled me. God made it known clearly, speaking to me, that who saved you, Travis? Did you save yourself? No, sir, I did not. Who called you to preach? Did you do that, Travis? No, sir, I did not. Who gave you the power to speak? Who gave you the power to breathe? Who gave you the power to preach? It was you, my great God. You know what? And ended it in prayers and repentance. This will humble you. How dare we sit there and think that we even have the option. If the Lord has given you a gift... If the Lord has called you, empowered you, if God has given you a facet of his grace for the purpose of serving one another, how dare we not use it? How dare we sit there when we do use it and pat ourselves on the back how, thinking how good we did use it? Now, I'm not saying we all do this. All I'm saying is I've done this, and I think we might can drift in that area. But he gives us the strength, God's purpose with God's power. That's service. So Christian service is a selfless act. Christian service is a stewardship. Christian service is powered by God. And finally, Christian service glorifies God. Now, I've already spoken to this a bit, but I want to say it more, hopefully, clearer. The ultimate aim of spiritual gifts, verse 11, the last part, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right? So we're to serve inside the church and outside the church. But once again, I've got to say this, and it may strike some of you strange when I do say this. But the final aim, the ultimate aim of our receiving gifts and using gifts is not to help people. Remember that definition I gave you? That was from a dictionary. It wasn't from the Bible. I want to say that again. I'll make sure we understand this. Our ultimate aim is not to help people. Our ultimate aim is to glorify God. That is our aim. That is our goal. That is what we are shooting for when we serve. Now, here's the beautiful thing. When you do aim at glorifying God and everything that you do by the way you serve, people will be helped. But if you're aiming to serve, if you're aiming to do things in order to help people, you're going to fall far short of the goal that God intended for you and I when he gave you that gift and told you to serve one another. We serve to glorify God. He says it, that in everything, every gift, every manifestation of the Spirit, every service may glorify God through Christ Jesus. So here's the question, final, well, 
here's a question. This is a question I ask myself. How is it that me using my gifts glorifies God? Well, we get the key in that last clause. Look, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So, who does the glory belong to? Does it belong to me? Does it belong to our church? Does it belong to our denomination? No. Jesus. We'll say that. We'll affirm that. But I know the heart, and we may secretly sit there and say, Can I not keep some glory for myself? What's wrong with me getting a portion of the glory? The problem is it's not yours. And the problem is you're not glorious. And you're not all satisfying, nor am I. Not ours. Belongs to him. So when you exercise your gifts, when you serve, God is glorified in two ways. First way, in the use of the gift. I love this, and I find comfort in this. Peter is saying implicitly here, I believe, that uh, when you exercise your gift, just by exercising it, God receives glory. Because it's in his power, right? It's in his power. It's, it's him, his God, indwelling you. So you need not even worry about how well you are doing it. Just the fact that you're doing it is going to bring glory to God. Second way that we, using our gifts, result in glorifying God is the result of the gift. The result of the gift. Not individually, individually to a degree, but corporately is more what I'm thinking of. The, the result is the church becomes more perfect, spotless, without blemish, pure, beautiful. We're working together. We're serving together. We're growing together. We're ministering to our community. We're serving around the world. So let's wrap back up to that picture I painted. Consider that meal. Consider the ultimate result of that meal. You ever sit and had a great meal? And you sit there, maybe steak's your thing, I don't know. Okay, let's talk about me. This is a taco. I got a great taco. Beautiful taco, man. And I sit there and I eat that taco. You know who gets glory from that taco I'm eating? The cook, right? The cook gets the glory. He's the one who made it. He's the one who's sending out. I have never eaten a great taco. And while I'm eating that great taco, think, you know, the way the man or the woman brought this out to me made this taste better. That person was so glorious. No. I'm thinking about the cook. And likewise, I would say that is true for us as we corporately we serve, we worship, we grow, and we serve distinctively. Distinct service. It's going to be, it's going to be bring glory to the one who entrusted us with the gift. So, my desire is that none of us leave tonight misunderstanding what I say by serve. Christian service is a selfless act. Christian service is a stewardship. Christian service is powered by God. Christian service glorifies God. Worship, grow, serve. And let me conclude by saying this. If you are currently serving, I thank you. 
My walk with Christ is better because of you. This church is better because of you. My children get, ed get, get taught and served because of you, and I thank you. And I want to say this. I know it's difficult. I know these jobs can be thankless, but I want to thank you and encourage you. For those of you who say, you know what, I don't serve, but I would like to serve, or maybe I have served, but you know what, I served in my own power. I didn't serve in God's power, and then I got burned out. I would say, thank you for serving, and then I would ask, please consider serving again. You say, how can I serve? I would say multiple ways. You can talk to me, you can talk to Taylor, you can talk to Andrew, and you can also go to um, sbcserve.com and find a place to serve. I would love for all of us to be serving in some capacity for God's glory and our joy. Let us commit to be a people who serve the world, serve the community, and serve our church. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.